Hey gang, it's Harold, and here's another podcast. I'm going to use this forum to share my thoughts about the games I play and the people I meet. During my trip to ConSim World Expo in Tempe, Arizona, I interviewed a number of interesting people. This is the first of those interviews. This podcast is singularly composed of an interview with a prolific gamer, blogger, podcaster, and social media thought leader, Meeple Lady. We will discuss what she loves about ConSim World Expo and conflict simulations in general. Thanks for listening, and I look forward to your feedback. Meeple Ladies lived in Phoenix for 13 years and is a proud first-generation immigrant from the Philippines. She's originally from Los Angeles and attended UCLA. She jumped into heavy gaming, Euros and war games, about four years ago and tabletop board gaming in general a few years prior to that. Meeple Lady started a blog a couple of years ago mostly to write about different games she plays and her experiences as a relatively new gamer. She's been a professional copy editor for most of her career and wants to do more rulebook editing to combine her two passions. We'll start the interview with a question on what Meeple Lady enjoys about ConSim World Expo. I love board games. I love um, gaming. It's a local con to me. I'm based out of Phoenix. Um, it's just interesting to see people come out for eight days and game. There are these games that last for three days, which I didn't have a chance to play. <laughs> but um, just getting into that hobby and learning more about war games, um, I don't have that much experience in general with the war games. It's only been a couple of years, and even then, I think I've only scratched the tip of the, the iceberg. Um, my first forays into wargaming were the coin games, um, and I've just been playing other stuff that GMT has and just learning about all the different types of war games there are. And there's some mega games that look <laughs> like really intimidating. <laughs> yeah. So, so, what gets you interested in wargamings and that part of that that subsector of the hobby? Um, just the the history. I mean, just like the conflicts, um, learning about these obscure like battles that are all littered all over wargaming. Um, one of the first games I played, really, it's not a wargame, but Axis and Allies. When I first got into it, I was like, oh, this is so cool! Like World War Two, all the different powers, and you know, we've all, for me, not um, knowing that much about history because I didn't study that much in high school, college. I mean, you get your basic um, history lessons but like seeing all these different conflicts is really interesting and it's cool it really drives home um, who was involved where they were mm -hmm. then you start to understand why they had certain interrelationships mm -hmm. yes you can visualize you know what areas need support and how things have to go about in order to complete your objective right yeah and just like you know 
listening to you name all those like squadron numbers and fighter pilots like it's that's fascinating to me because I didn't grow up with that type of history in my household and learning from you know either military buddies or like you know fathers and grandfathers who served in the war that type of stuff is foreign to me and for me I want to learn I want to learn about the history and just like consume like why are people making these games about this specific conflict like Right. That's interesting to right. me. And understanding the conflict then helps us understand why we have conflict. Exactly. Right. And if we understand why we have conflict, we're probably better able to avoid the next. It is hoped. It's <laughs> theoretically, right? Um, but yeah, uh, yeah that, I, th- I think that's, t- that's, that's one of the things I love about it. Now, um, I, you and I met over a game of 1846, yes. which is a, 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 not a, war game mm-hmm. but certainly a conflict game yes. right mm-hmm. and certainly historical so so your your view uh, your your interest in gaming and some of the more complex games is much broader than war games exactly um i love the heavy strategy games um 18xx that's that's very mathy <laughs> yes. there's a lot of calculations there's strategy of like you know um trying to maximize your stock and pay out your dividends and those are difficult. I mean, those aren't easy to jump into, you know, as a new gamer, but you know, it's fun to learn about it. Right. Right. <laughs> for sure. And so, so, uh, at the same time, um, you've, uh, you've been involved in a podcast yes, where we talk about all kinds of games, not mm-hmm. we, but you talk mm-hmm. about all kinds of games. <laughs> so tell me about that. And, and what was the experience like being involved with that? Podcast? Oh, the experience was great. Um, I did a podcast called Hooked on Geek um, for about six months with my co-host, Greg. Um, we are different types of gamers. I love the heavy strategy war games, obviously, like I'm here at this war game convention. And Greg, you know, he's an omni gamer, but um, there's a lot of he has a lot of gaming parties at his house so he sort of falls into the um, party game um, all kinds of games actually um, but we had different definitions of fun I think there was right, a lot right. of conflict with that um, but it was a good experience for me like doing this podcast learning how to use the different equipment producing an episode a week which is a lot so if you guys ever decide to do a podcast <laughs> do not do one once a week it's it's a lot. And, we, you know, our episodes were about 60, at least 60 minutes, but they were averaging about 90 minutes each. And that's a lot of editing to do on a weekly basis. So that's my only advice to people. Don't do that much podcasting. That's great. You yeah. know, my, my experience uh, personally is that you start with great enthusiasm, mm-hmm. and a ton of vigor and a lot of opportunities to speak to people. And mm-hmm. you haven't said what you want to say. And, yeah. And then at some point you start to decline your energy <laughs> level and and uh so so it's a challenge um uh, that i can see as well i i've tried to do a couple of podcasts mm-hmm. a month mm-hmm. but i don't expect to be able to sustain that forever yes. right i mean i think it, that's not necessarily a sustainable and fun yes and, and so many times you see and certainly in war games uh that these great podcasts start up mm-hmm. and they continue for a period of time and then they yeah, they have a. I guess they have a natural half life. That's true. Well, hooked on geek has continued. Um, I stepped out just because of the time constraint and being stressed out. And again, like that is a very stressful schedule to sure. keep. So Greg's wife Stephanie is on there, and that totally works for them because I love their dynamic. Um, one doesn't have to go to someone else's house to do recording, which right. also saves a lot of time. 
Um, yeah, but otherwise it was fun just like talking to people, like you said, getting to know, you know, your friends even more or just talking to people who you don't know anything about and being able to ask those questions like, well, tell me what you do. Tell me how it's like behind the scenes, either publishing or getting art or content creation and just having those discussions casually is always a really fun thing. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It it gives you a a good excuse to talk to a lot of people about uh, (laughs) about games. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. So you called, uh, you called Greg an Omni gamer. Mm -hmm. So help me with that term. Um, I think, that is sort of just he plays all types of games and I know the biggest thing for him he would love to play longer games but you know when you have kids and you know family responsibilities um that sort of you know takes a back seat so um he will play shorter games and family games and his whole philosophy is more like I have a game for all types of gamers and he wants to introduce new gamers or non-gamers to these fun things and then eventually use that as like the door into other games right right mm-hmm. and then and then at some point you could take over and <laughs> push like, them into the heavy i'll teach stuff. you some 18x it was always fun <laughs> listening to you guys talk about um talk about uh twilight struggle mm-hmm. the greatest game ever exactly, made exactly right? and he's just like meh yeah. and i'm like this is amazing yeah. like <laughs> But but it was it was funny, right? I mean, I, it, it it just drives the fact that we all have to respect each other's preferences. Exactly. Not, so so uh, one person might love it, another might hate it, but mm-hmm. it doesn't mean anything. Right? Exactly. We all have our likes, and you know, just play the games you like. I mean, life is short. We shouldn't be playing games we don't want to play. Right. Um, so find what you like and play. And I think. One of my criticisms with him with not liking Twilight Struggle, I think he'd only played it once or twice, and I think Twilight Struggle is one of those games that you just have to invest that time to learn, to play, to know how all the cards symbiotically work with each other. And um, and basically, it's like a game of making, trying to make, how do you say it, like um, bad decisions or even worse decisions. Right. Um, and so that to me is fun. It's like, okay, well I can do this now or maybe I can do this later, but then um, it, people have different gaming philosophies. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Well, there, you know, there's a basic difference between people and how much conflict they like in their games, right? That's true too. And I have some friends that I love to play with and they have a sandbox and mm-hmm. nobody comes, even if it's a conflict game, nobody comes in their sandbox. Really? Right? So, <laughs> but, but you know, I, I know that I'm playing with them mm-hmm. and I know what's going to happen if I go into their sandbox. That's true. I've done it before and I've made mm-hmm. that mistake. Uh-huh. But you know, you play the those types of games. But but to the point on, on conflict, some people love it and some people really don't like it in mm-hmm. their games. Yeah. So it and, and right or wrong, neither. Exactly. Right? Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. Very funny. So the other um, the other dimensions then are time and complexity, and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know some people don't uh, don't want to play a game that's going to take three hours mm-hmm. or or, uh, or three days, like you three, were three days, right? <laughs> three days to fight the battle of Wagram. There you go. We had it was interesting. So it was uh, the, the 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 group that that makes it's a company called Marshall Enterprises. They've been doing this for 30 years. Mm-hmm. It started with a game club at UC San Diego. Nice. Um, and and so they uh, they create these games and they're massive. This one, Battle of Wagram, they're not done with yet, but they're working on. Uh, and it's in, so it was more of a play test mm-hmm. and um, has uh, six maps. Wow. And over, and, you know, over a thousand pieces, mm-hmm. counters, right? So it's, it's massive. And, um, they they specialize in these and they may run a print run of five hundred, right? Mm-hmm. 
So if Twilight Struggle is in the you know close to a hundred thousand or over a hundred thousand, they do just a few hundred. So it's a very wow. niche mm-hmm. product. But this this big map had six players on the French side uh-huh. and at least eight players on the Allied side. Wow! So you know it's it's a it's a monster. How and do you navigate that if you're both? I mean, is everyone France and everyone else is... So six people were France and eight people were the allies and everybody had organizationally really what we would refer to as a core. So okay. a group of units that are all linked together. And mm-hmm. so you, you have a slice of the map. Wow. And uh, the, the best part was that they, the way they would, the, the, it's actually in the rules as well, but you have 10 minutes to move. Mm-hmm. So it was fun to watch because every now and then they would say move and, mm-hmm. and the clock would start and there was a timer on the table i like that and once you're right it's terrific right mm-hmm. and, then it, and then at the end of 10 minutes you're done yeah and and uh so that forced some real discipline into you know something especially in war games where you can sit and count the range and do i need to move here here and, mm-hmm. and so uh so that was that was very cool but uh, but that's what i love and that's what this convention is about mm-hmm. F- on the first level right is, mm-hmm. is is providing a forum for a week Exactly. To allow people to come set up these big games. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, this convention is also about a ton of people that love conflict simulations, mm-hmm. right? And uh, putting these sorts of games together. So it's great to see uh, you and your friends that are locals, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you, you're, you're close. And so... Uh, locals come and play uh, games that that include a lot of different things that aren't necessarily war games. Mm-hmm. So, uh, talk about what you've played at the convention. I'd be interested in hearing the, the list. Let's see. Um, I played, I have a list here, Pax Porfiriana. Porfiriana. Yes, that's fine. Mexican Revolution, <laughs> Sierra Games. Mm-hmm. That was a little bonkers. It was 6P. I don't think I've played it with that many players in a while. And um, two, maybe one or two people were new but yeah, that's always a beast to teach. Um, yes. I did not teach it, but someone else did. And I don't know, it's a really fun game. I really like it because you never know what the win. I mean, you know what you're trying to do to get to win. You have to not only build something, mm-hmm. but you have to trigger it mm-hmm. to win. So the in effect, the target can move. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you're trying to prevent uh, everybody else from winning. It's a fun game from Sierra. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the hard parts about teaching it is that the card art is beautiful, but, but not very functional. And there's a lot of text on each card. Yes, a lot of text and a lot of uh, extracurricular text. Exactly. Right? A lot of fla- and you, flavor text. And for new players, you never really know how all the cards work with each other. Right. And you're trying to just build your tableau and you're kind of staring down at your board, you know, all the different cards. But meanwhile, you really have to pay attention to what everyone is collecting right. and what they're working toward because that's sort of the the genius of the game. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. And, and, and in my mind, like most multiplayer games, a two-player game, I know that I have to watch where you are mm-hmm. because this to win. On four-player games, people forget sometimes mm-hmm. that you know the highest level responsibility is making sure that you know where everybody else is because mm-hmm. we don't talk about it much. But the but the the key balancing mechanism is the fact that there are three other players yes. <laughs> watching the leader. Mm-hmm. So if you stop doing that and you start playing in your sandbox, mm-hmm. then you will lose exactly, <laughs> and somebody will run off. So that's one. Um, I played uh, Churchill. That was really fun. I ended up losing because I had 17 points at the end. And the trigger, if you come out too far ahead out of the two other powers, then you roll the die. Then you roll the dice. And we hate rolling the dice. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's the first thing we talked about when yes. I got here was, oh, rolled, we rolled the dice and we I lost. Like, no. So it was a 15 to trick. You have to be within 15 points because um, it's uh, during World War II. So there's Churchill, um, FDR, and Stalin. And you're all working together to defeat right. Japan and Germany. But no one wants to be out too far ahead, right. which is which is a really I love that game because it's a three player, you know, experience of right. the push and pull and right. you know with the issues, but you don't want to go out too far and then it ended up being too much and then I lost. Right. <laughs> and that's the great thing about that, right? I, I that game gets some criticism for the dice roll. Mm-hmm. But if you if you criticize it for the dice roll, you miss the fact that you, you have shouldn't control have mm-hmm. over whether or not you make the dice roll. Exactly. Right. So so I think uh, I I think that game is brilliant. I love it. <laughs> good, good fun and, and more, more Mark Herman. Mm-hmm. Um, what else did we play? Uh, BSG. We played BSG. Yes. That's always fun. Yes, and I think you cheated. How did I cheat? Well, you were a Cylon and you didn't do anything that would indicate that you were a Cylon. Oh, I was the best I Cylon. I think that's unfair. <laughs> <laughs> in, the, in the meantime, we had a player in the game who was not a Cylon. Who was being all kinds of shady. But was acting weird. <laughs> Right, mm-hmm. so uh, he—he, he, I think it was his second game. He didn't realize how much attention he was bringing. Yes. and then of course I, I'm the one who ended it. I screwed it up because mm-hmm. I put him in the brig, which gave you a bunch of gave you the admiral, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 maybe something that else. That was the cagmural because both yeah. the other the cag was the Cylon, and he revealed, and then I became the admiral. I love the cagmural term because that's such a BGG. Yes, and then there's the pradmural, and I don't know if it's the prad. If you're the president, admiral, and the keg, then I don't know how you combine all. Riches, yeah. <laughs> that means everyone should be in the brig. <laughs> That's right. Everybody <laughs> should. But I put him in the brig, which gave you the capability to do all the stuff you wanted to do in mm-hmm. your shady fashion. <laughs> and uh, I didn't even do anything shady. Like we were already like struggling. The humans were already struggling. Right. right. Yeah. So that's so much so fun. That, it was fun, and you've played that a, a ton. Lot. Yes. I've seen a picture of you with uh, the the. Uh, with the actors, yes, yes, <laughs> with and all of others, them. yes, yes, they're so fun. I love this game, and it's not anything that I normally play because it's not a Euro, it's not a war game, but something about the experience for BSG is just so much fun. It's terrific, mm-hmm. yeah, and I love introducing people to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but for years, I played it and never owned it. Really? Which is, which is great because everybody else does. <laughs> so I recently traded for it. Oh, I, nice. I have a base game. Well, you said you're good. a base gamer. That's mm-hmm. You prefer the base game. I do. The Five players. It's pure. The cards are so tight. Um, You know, there's that one five card. There's two four cards, I think. So you hang on to your cards like currency and you have to play selfishly or else there's no chance for the Cylons to win, I think. Interesting. Yeah. So you think that's more balanced than, or it's, or it's just different than it the makes game with it the more, It makes it tighter. Like in our game, we had a bunch of different expansions. We had the Cylon fleet board. We had um, Pegasus. Every time Galactica would get damage, oh, it's like, well, we'll just put the damage over there on Pegasus. And right. I like having the tension of just the five player, you know. And you're we, not biased because you were Cylon last No, week. no, no. I will always, <laughs> you know, I wanted to play with you. So I was right. like, you're 6P. I'm like, right. ah. Okay, I'll play 60. <laughs> a little bit hesitant. <laughs> but um, it was good um, with the Cylon leader and getting familiar with all the other things. It was great. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> um, what else did I play? Um, Fire in the Lake. Got that coin in. I really like that one. Which faction did you play? I played Arvin. Um, yeah, there's a lot. That's going on. That's the second time I played it. The last time I played, I was the NVA, which was a more clear cut 
um, responsibilities. Or exactly. Targets, You're yes. just like trying to come down and get, you right. know, south of the board. This one, the Arvin, like I just couldn't, the last few turns, I was like, well, I'll just tax the people and try to get my aid up. And I still hadn't quite figured out like the relationship with that and the U.S. Right. Um, but I really, I, it's a fun game. Right. Mm-hmm. And some really great history there. Right? Exactly. Yeah. I think that's it. And then for that, like, I think it's just Vietnam of all those coin games. Vietnam is the one I'm most familiar with, with, you know, in terms of the different wars and just seeing how that plays out, like, is interesting to me. Right. Now, that, that, that's a special piece of work. And when you consider that both Volko and Mark Herman were involved, mm-hmm. as well as Gene Billingsley, who's mm-hmm. a Vietnam expert, yeah. right, that uh, the three of them being heavily involved, just, we knew it was going to be awesome. <laughs> Um, let's see. What else have we played? Oh, you and I played John Company twice. We did. We did. Yes. It's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> the first time I played it, I was not expecting all that dice. Uh, for some reason, I just thought it was like, oh, okay, it's like an economic game. But then um, just setting up took so long because I think you were the only one that knew how to play or maybe one other person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think two of us. And there was a 6P, so just um, setting up and learning the rules and just rolling for the initial um, jobs that everyone was getting. Um, that seemed really random to me, and I just couldn't let go of the fact that, like, okay, like, a lot of the stuff was dependent on dice rolls. And so um, our chairman never moved for a very long time, and that just sort of... The odds of that happening are low, but it did. It did happen, yeah. And then I spent, with a 6P, I spent a lot of time trying to get back on the board. Like, I was using my cubes to bribe, like, give me a job, somebody give me a job, get right. me back on the board. And that was a little frustrating, I think. Um, yeah, so then we played a second time later in the con with five people. That one was a much more fun experience. I think six might have been too much, and I didn't feel like I was trying to just get back on the board. I felt like I was consistently in action somewhere right Mm -hmm. so um we don't share that concern about six players versus five Mm -hmm. i'm I'm okay playing with five um but um but i think um the challenge probably is that you were thinking of it as an economic game Mm -hmm. where in reality it's a pure negotiation game Mm -hmm. and there there are mechanisms right that that are economic Mm -hmm. but you have to trade and negotiate your mm-hmm. way into every component of the game yeah and, and i like the f- the second game much better right so maybe well, the I- first game it, it was so odd that uh everyone except for you had negative victory points mm-hmm. and you had zero <laughs> and won the game yeah that's crazy to me yeah, yeah. that's wrong that's, that's how it's supposed to be that's not in my paradigm but yeah. the second one uh I think oh, no, the that winner- was the second one when i got zero i think uh, first one was zero. Second one, I had 11. Oh, there you go. I think. Yeah, you definitely won yes. with double digits. Double digits. Yeah. Yes, but this number two player had 10, and then we had a couple of eights. Mm-hmm. So it was it was a tighter pack and a different uh, set of outcomes. But but uh, I, I love it, but I love the negotiation aspect. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, in my mind, it creates a sandbox with so many tools mm-hmm. that you can negotiate over the weirdest things. <laughs> And I the, do love negotiation games. Right. So I, I think I got better at it. I was like, okay, well, let me just like do this. You know, give me your cubes. And, right, right. Mm-hmm. And I think that in, in the subtleties, you know, mm-hmm. the, the um, I always talk about the subtlety of if you, if somebody else has your favorite cube mm-hmm. and you just hire them over 
anybody else, including yeah. yourself, that they have to give you that cube mm-hmm. back, right? So, so that's why I'm so liberal at the beginning of passing out those cubes because mm-hmm. I think if I could just hire a few people, I can get all those back. Exactly. You're just um, like for future favors, like right. putting your stuff out. How does it play over 10 turns? So it's very the, – the introductory scenario, which is six turns – and has no uh, deregulation is a very different animal mm-hmm. than the long form. The long form with deregulation gets crazy because mm-hmm. it, because at some point early in the game, I think it's turned four through six mm-hmm. uh, or card four through six of the random event at the end of the turn. Uh, each the, the company deregulates, and so you can operate through the company normally or you can start your own company on your family cube. That seems like it'd be fun. And it's it is and, and so then, you know, a sandbox that's already pretty big with a mm-hmm. lot of tools then, you know, multiplies by another factor of 10 or 20 uh-huh. or 100. It's it's uh it really is great fun. Scores go up. Mm-hmm. So in that case I've had scores of 100, 150. But um, but you know, and, and other people can buy a portion of your card company. That sounds fun. And, and so it's very interesting, right? And I would have liked to see it play a full 10 rounds just right. to see how that changes. Right, to go through that. So sometime we'll get together for that scenario, <laughs> maybe when you're when you're in San Diego in November. Yeah, that'd be nice. It is hoped. I'm yeah, hoping to get out crossed. there. Yeah. Um, if you start your own company, John Company, like, are you still responsible for the main company? or? Well, the main company doesn't have, doesn't have full rights to India. Mm-hmm. So the company still operates, and mm-hmm. you can choose make you can choose to do things in the company, or you can focus all of your attention on your family company. Okay. And and the family, the challenge is that the family gets access to the markets, all of the markets Ooh, before the company does. That's nice. So sometimes, uh, so th- so if the family companies develop quickly, mm-hmm. then it can destroy the the uh, shut everyone out. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, it's, um, you know, I haven't played that enough to be completely satisfied with the complexity, but, uh, uh, and, and, and the, you know, the capabilities of each mm-hmm. company and, and where you can and can't, shouldn't, shouldn't spend money, but it's, it's good fun. That's good. I liked it a second time. I was just completely baffled by the first game like what is happening well your expectations were somewhere else and so then we put this weird game in front of you and Mm -hmm. And then i just like couldn't even get back in the game (laughs) yeah but i would definitely definitely play that again absolutely (laughs) um what else you play right now um this is a couple smaller games but the big one i've been playing is cataclysm it's been going over the past few days mostly because i can only get here to constant world at night after i get off work um, the first night we played one round just to learn because I think only one guy has played it before. So it's five people. And I think, it, I don't know if it plays six. No, it plays five. There's five people. And then, you know, you're the different countries. And this is the first time I've ever encountered a chit pulling mechanism, which is fascinating. Um, so you have your different powers and you're trying to complete object, well, objective score victory points but um, and move up your track. But just pulling the chit is interesting. <laughs> to determine, I haven't played Cataclysm, but is mm-hmm. it to determine whose initiative it is? Exactly. Okay. And then you can um, put your flags up on this track or put it back in the cup. And so there's the interrupts depending on, I'm not sure the... I'm not sure how they do it. I think it's just um, it depends on which faction or which side, if you're fascist or not, um, 
you can't go back to back. So there's a lot of going back and forth. And then we got into the fourth round where anytime you do something and it butts up against another country, well, they get a flag. But I'm not sure now every time something happens, like round four went on forever because all these things were happening. So everyone got a flag. So more flags are putting back into the cup. So it's like chit pulling and there's like, you know, a million different chits like in the cup. Right. Yeah. So it's it's interesting. Haven't played it yet, but it's hot. It's the game that everybody's talking about. Yeah, it just got shipped last month, I think, um, from right. the P500. I saw that on the list. So um, it's not a mounted board. It's just a little, you know, paper board. Um, you have Japan, uh, Russia, Italy, Germany, UK, France, and the US. And so you play the democratic powers, the fascists. And, right. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. You know, GMT... Um, provides plenty of games with mounted map boards and plenty without. Mm-hmm. And, and when you talk to the GMT customers, there's a significant portion that prefer the maps without, and they really? put plexiglass over Yes. Them, right? And and so they, they have that preference and don't want the heavier box. Mm-hmm. Um, with this one, I think the, the universe of people that are playing it want mounted map boards. So in a presentation here, Gene Billingsley, the president of GMT, said that that they make a guess before they start about a price point. Mm-hmm. And uh, you never really know how popular a game's going to be. Exactly. But uh, for this one, as soon as it exploded in popularity, or that was the clear intention, uh, I think they put a mounted map board as an option that you can buy. Oh, that's nice. Separately. Mm-hmm. So that's a good start. And I think that, that if they do it again, we might see a mounted map board okay. in the game box if they, if they do another print run. Cool. I am of the camp of, I like the mounted map board. <laughs> sure, sure, absolutely. In this mm-hmm. kind of game, I think it makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the bigger games, I think... Um, the, yeah, you the don't want to be carrying that much weight. Yeah, map, right, <laughs> yes. Very funny. Yeah, and I think that's it that I've played. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot of big stuff. Mm-hmm. So, and you, you're, uh, you played a lot with uh, your, your group here. Mm-hmm. Uh, in town, but also played mixed with others. Yes, like you, you guys are visiting our group, Yes, mm-hmm. and uh, people from all over. Mm-hmm. People that I've met at previous um, war game conventions. That's always fun too. Right. Mm-hmm. Interesting. <laughs> good. Good. Well, uh, I, I'm I'm excited that you're interested, and in, and in, you know one of the challenges for me uh, with the hobby is I continually ask myself how can we continue to grow the hobby. Um, I watched the average age of the, you know, whatever we call a war gamer change mm-hmm. and, and get older, right? And I, I, um, I, I have some curiosity about why isn't the group more diverse in in many dimensions, right? In mm-hmm. age and gender are the things that we talk about. But it's great to see that you're involved. <laughs> but at the same time, there aren't a lot of women in the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, not many that aren't wives <laughs> that yes. are walking around with their husbands. So. So I'm curious about your perspective on what we can do in our part of the hobby. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what's, what's cultural that I can't see and what can we do to attract more diversity, either younger gamers, different uh, women, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure. Like, I mean, I'm not an expert in this. Um, I think just in general for me, if it was for me, I have no problems walking into a giant room of like, I don't know, 250 people, men, right. whatever, being the only right. female person of color, you know, type thing. Um, but that's intimidating to yes. a lot of people. 
So for starters, maybe like, you know, introduce games on a much smaller scale instead of just like at a convention. And, you know, at, at Strategicon when we met, like the War Games room is separated from the rest of the floor. It's like tucked away. And that's also that kind of feeling where you just walk into a room and it's like everyone's pouring over these giant maps. You know, it's really hard to just jump into that but once you get into that initial thing like the people that I've met have always been really friendly really you know inclusive like oh you know a lot of people want to play these war games and so they're looking for people to play with them so I think in terms of that I, I, I don't know exactly how to get people into the door better right um, and then I think a lot of the war games obviously are much longer maybe people don't have that time commitment to play an entire campaign maybe shorter games that you can teach that are easily digestible and like okay well if you like this then we can play this four-hour game and then move into the six-hour game and then you can do like the multi-day campaigns right Mm -hmm. i have a friend that's involved in baseball and she Mm -hmm. says that in baseball they're having trouble uh, you know they had trouble for years bringing women into the administration Mm -hmm. and and that it's a goal and they're putting time and effort into it. But one of the things she says is that it's uh, very similar to the battle universities have with STEM. Mm-hmm. In her, in her, so some component of it is uh, this, this the STEM mm-hmm. issue that universities face, right. And, and attracting women and minorities to mm-hmm. STEM. That, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this, these games are often math intensive mm-hmm. and uh, calculation mm-hmm. intensive. And that's not, an attractive mm-hmm. component. Um, I interviewed my daughters mm-hmm. who are college age. One just graduated and another one's at USC now. And uh, I asked them, you know, what, what do you think? And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and they had a couple of interesting uh, perspectives. One, one, one perspective was history mm-hmm. that uh, one daughter said, look, when I, you know, and she is a STEM kid, a pre-med major mm-hmm. biology. And she said, you know, I started history and it was about a bunch of guys because men have written history. Men have written history, mm-hmm. and for a long time, they were the favorite class, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, land ownership, voting, exactly. all those mm-hmm. things. So, um, you know, and that and that's changing, but it's going to be a while as we see more Margaret Thatchers. And, mm-hmm. You know, so so life is uh, changing in that regard, but history is like that. Mm-hmm. So so that's tough. Um, and the other thing that that I thought was really powerful was um, that she believes there's she is not interested in my both daughters and my wife have no interest in playing a game where there's any conflict Mm -hmm. so they love to cooperate Uh right and uh you know i I thought that was an interesting comment Mm -hmm. because you know calling our subsector of the hobby war games Mm -hmm. starts off with a (laughs) with a very aggressive Mm -hmm. right so um so I don't, you know, I, I don't, and, and it's an anecdote, right? Yeah. It's not st- empirical evidence mm-hmm. that's well-researched, but... Uh, but I mean, there's, like, um, the one game that you were talking about where you're France or the U.S., I mean, you right. have your different factions, you're cooperatively working together on a side. Um, but also, I think, going back to that STEM thing, um, if, you know, just, you, you start kids young if they see a female teacher who's enthusiastic about that subject you know or a person of color like oh well then maybe i can do that and then that sort of like leads the way to going down that path um for education um for wargaming yeah you know everyone has this vision in their mind of just like you know a bunch of like the older white guys like in a room um you know when you see 
other people who are not that playing games, then hopefully it'll inspire other women or people of color like, oh, maybe I can try that. Maybe I can learn how to do that. Or maybe someone can teach me. And then, you know, just having the visibility, the diversity, the inclusivity and um, would help a lot with getting people in the door. Well, and that's what's exciting to me about what you do, (laughs) Mm -hmm. right, is that you're vocal about it. Mm -hmm. You're active in social media, the podcast, Mm -hmm. uh, your blog, Mm -hmm. uh, and and you talk about these games and what you do. and And I think that just makes it easier yes to convert new people into the hobby mm-hmm. when they see someone that isn't as you said an old white guy <laughs> <laughs> not to stereotype but you know <laughs> no i look at it it just it just is and and um you know my experience with these old white guys is that that um we that we tend to call them grognard and, I, and I, i'm distressed by that term mm-hmm. uh because now i think other people use it uh, to the detriment. Oh, right? I, yeah. I, so I think, I, and and you and I wouldn't use it that way, but mm-hmm. I think that some people use it in a very aggressive manner. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my experience with this group is that they're a very sweet group, and yeah. very kind and, and mm-hmm. welcoming. So I, I'm good to hear that that's been your experience mm-hmm. too. Yeah. No, it, it's been great. Like I said, everyone wants to play their games. So they're looking for people. This is the con where all these games will get played in a lot of these men that I've talked to like yeah this is like my once a year vacation because you know you have family responsibilities and work and you can't just bust out a giant war game and play for over three days so obviously you're looking for people to play with and you know people love to teach their game and especially now too if you you know if you're not familiar with war gaming like you know there's so many you know content creators on the internet who talk about how to play war games you know just watch a video read a blog you know there's so many resources that are available. So you don't come in completely cold into a war game convention and just go, hey, can I play this? And so if to be a little bit less um, intimidated, you know, do your research. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Agreed. You know, I, I, uh, I feel good about the, the fact that I see more diverse people in mm-hmm. the hobby. And, and certainly as it relates to age. Mm-hmm. And, uh, played a lot with a young man over the last couple of days that's, you know, mid-20s. Mm-hmm. And very excited about it. Mm-hmm. So, 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 so that gives me some energy. <laughs> it's great to see you here. Uh, and, and the, you know, there are other women and, and more diverse mm-hmm. people than the old white guys. So, so that's exciting to me. Uh, I just had a discussion with Roger Miller, who's runs Revolution Games. Mm-hmm. And he said more and more. So, so he fundamentally advertises on Board Game Geek mm-hmm. and Consum World. Okay, right. So, uh, Consum World. I don't know if you've been on Consum World, but but it's a it's a really it's hard to use. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some people have been using it for a very long time. Kind of like how BGG is. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so uh, BGG is much easier mm-hmm. than Consum World, but still. Uh, but 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 there's a there's clearly an age differential and mm-hmm. probably a diversity differential between the two, and he sees more and more activity shifting as it relates to orders. Oh, and and he said that the other thing he looks at are the questions that he gets, mm-hmm. and the questions that he gets are are the ones that would indicate that these are many first time gamers mm-hmm. that haven't been playing these games forever. Because mm-hmm. as, you, as you know, you play these games over and over. The concepts become second yes. nature, and so you, there you lose. You you don't have to ask a lot of the questions. Exactly. Someone who plays the first the first time. So, I think that's that's 
terrific as well and a trend in the right That's direction. That's awesome. But I but I I think we can't we still have to talk about it. We have to open our eyes mm-hmm. to, to, to what we can do in our culture to change mm-hmm. and be more open. Mm-hmm. That's true. And then just don't assume that some woman there is someone's wife or something like that. Fair enough. Yeah. 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 I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's keep talking about it. I always wonder if there is there something we can do. Is there something that, that we could fund or, or, you know, to motivate people to do, I mean, something we could fund to get more, people involved to, 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 to get more women and young people and minorities to teach games mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, become a catalyst from the positive side. Um, I don't know, just, I mean, talking about game development, you know, just new subjects, new battles, new um, stories that put like a human element to it where you're just not cubes and chits like coming out. And so I don't know if that's, you know, contradictory to what war gamers have always played with like the chits, but, you know, it's interesting to see the other side of games and the subjects. Right. Mm-hmm. And there are plenty of people involved in these concepts, yeah. right? I mean, mm-hmm. you could really humanize mm-hmm. humanize that. So it's very interesting perspective. So I'd like to ask a few informal questions, sure. if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll start with the first. What oh. kind of music do you listen to? Give me a few examples. Ooh, um, this is so hard. This is kind of like, what's your favorite board game? It just sort of depends <laughs> on what you're in the mood for. Um, I grew up on like a lot of the 90s gangster rap. Like growing up in L.A., you know, you have to listen right. to Snoop and Dre and all those, you know. <laughs> um, but I like a lot of like indie rock. It's just sort of all kinds. Um who are like my favorites right now. I like Young the Giant. I always see them when they're in town. Um, Florence and the Machine. Um, but then also like, you know, who doesn't love that pop song that's like popular this summer where you're just like singing along in the car. Right, right. <laughs> that like earwig that gets stuck in your head. Right. It has a half-life, but it gets stuck there. There you go. Yeah. So all kinds. Um So what about movies, TV? What's caught your eye? Um, TV. Uh, what have I been watching? Uh, I'm trying to finish up the Westworld. Do you watch Westworld? I haven't started, but oh, I've heard it's great. It's great. There's a lot that's going on. It's kind of bonkers. Um, but that's really interesting. Game of Thrones. Um, I love that. I'm excited for Better Call Saul to come back in August. That's the best. I love it. I loved Breaking Bad, but I think yes. Better Call Saul is actually like a better show. It might be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what else do I watch? Uh, I can't remember now. But movies. Those things, movies. Um, this is the whole thing that I we sort of joked about on my podcast. Like the last few years have been sort of chaotic for me. So there's a lot of movies that I, you know, I'm slowly trying to catch up on. Um, and then the superhero genre is something that I totally have fallen behind. But I just watched a Thor Ragnarok. And I even asked on Twitter, like, hey, I'm just jumping into this. Like, is there something that I need to know? Because I think the last superhero movie I saw was, like, Avengers, the first one and the first Thor. So there's, like, a couple of movies in between. And people were like, oh, just jump in. You'll be fine. I'm like, oh. So that was really fun. Um, and then so now I have to watch Black Panther and then the last Avengers. So I'm a little behind on that. Um uh, Deadpool was one. Deadpool two was the one I last saw too. That was really fun. Um, I can't even think of the last movie I saw. Hmm. 
Well, Deadpool 2 is pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. And I'm behind anyway, so. <laughs> it, just, it just seems like it is. Yeah, no, it's just so busy. There's just like, you want to play games, but then do you want to go out and hang out right. with your friends? Right. So I'm there's trying. a lot of um, going back and forth. I can't even think what the last one. Oh, I did see Logan's Run recently. The 70s film. I'd never seen it. There was a an event um, downtown Phoenix at a, it's called Film Bar. It's one of those indie film theaters that has alcohol and food and there was a discussion about dystopias and i'd always wanted to see logan's run that sort of falls into that that group of like westworld of the old which i've seen with the yule brenner um but i'd always wanted to see logan's run and that was interesting it's it's great those old (laughs) sci-fi and application and then it starts falling into like um those disaster movies of the era like i love (laughs) Poseidon adventure (laughs) (laughs) yeah Gene Hackman. <laughs> oh my goodness, what a great movie that was. Yes. <laughs> That's uh, this, this, the morning after song, right? Is mm-hmm. that, oh, yeah. Oh my goodness, it's so funny. <laughs> and then I saw the the remake, what was it, like 10 years ago that they did? I was like, oh, this is not as good as the Gene yeah, Hackman I even, one. I refuse to see it. I have no interest. <laughs> you can't improve. There's still a couple on my list of Towering Inferno. That's like yes. right around that yes. era. And then a whole series of Airport. Airport, movies. yes. Yeah, Not to be confused much. with the airplane, right? Right, which was a, which was a parody on the airports, mm-hmm. but but very funny nonetheless. So, reading, do you have time to read? Um, yeah, I do sometimes. What am I reading now? Um, oh, uh, Saba's like Tahir's book, uh, Reaper at the Gates. I have that's on my next list, and I went to see um, her book signing a couple weeks ago. She is a young adult author who's written the Ember series. Yeah. Right, and if you somebody you grew up with, yes, yeah, we went to college together. We had worked uh, at the college newspaper way back when, so it's just right. amazing to see someone you knew personally, like now become like a New York Times bestselling author. Very cool. Yeah. So the reviews are terrific mm-hmm. of her work. So I ordered when I saw oh, your yeah. tweet. I read about it and read the reviews. <laughs> like, I said I got to buy one. I'm gonna have to get started. <laughs> yeah, no, she has a. This is the third book that just came out a couple of weeks ago. Um, so she has a four book um contract. So. Right the story will end <laughs> and, and is, is her strike zone um yeah is it a young adult it is young adult but target? i feel like it's a little bit more sophisticated than that almost like right. a fantasy right. genre i think it's like right on the cusp of that right well uh, from a guy that loved harry potter i don't really you know, <laughs> discriminate between the, the labels but i was just curious if she feels like that's her target audience mm-hmm. i bet they have statistics it'd be interesting to talk to her about the statistics oh yeah if, because but definitely New York Times chart, she's young adult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And then um, last, we've talked about what games you play. So I hate to, I hate to, to begrudge it because, uh, or to belabor it because we've talked about so many games. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, what are your favorites? My favorites? Well, we've already talked about Battlestar Galactic. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Which is not How many like... times do you think you played BSG? Oh my gosh, a lot. And I'm so mad too because my phone had died a couple about a month ago and for some reason the app didn't sync with bgg so i lost about a year's worth of data a year and a half so my my stats are all screwed up my little pie charts are all screwed up but i played it a lot and there are some days (laughs) that i've actually played it three times like back to back to back (laughs) a hundred percent win rate people a hundred (laughs) percent human cylon human oh funny (laughs) Um, I believe it because you act the same. Exactly. 
Though my one friend who was watching us hovering over us, he's like, oh, I totally knew you were the Cylon. They were so hosed. But I'm like, how could you tell? It's like, I guess <laughs> when you play with people that often, sure. the little right. nuances. Yeah, there's some subtle. I remember I played at uh, this Los Angeles convention that we mm-hmm. went through Strategicon. And I was playing, and there was a lady sitting beside me she'd never played before. Uh-huh. And I think her son talked her into playing, and she was sitting there playing along. And we went through the, the second uh, sleepers yeah mm-hmm. and 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 uh i looked over at her and i said are you a cylon she says, yes <laughs> and she put a card down <laughs> she she wasn't gonna lie she just told the truth and that's the easiest way to deal with it so. and then you move on to the that's ship right. that's right it's very funny but yeah in general like i i'm you're a gamer at heart like the heavy strategy um right. Lisboa, but then I also love like Takenoko, which is great and adorable and cute, sure, and a good sure. gateway game to get people into. And a big game in our family. Oh, yeah, good, yeah, we love that. <laughs> but what about Twilight Struggle? Where does it fall in your list? Um, that's top five, I believe. Yeah, right. and I love the tension and like the conflict. And let's see, I think it's either. Four Four or five. I have that list up there, but definitely the top ten. Oh, you have a list? Is it mm-hmm. on your blog? Um, it is on BGG. BGG yeah, Meeple Lady Top 100, which um, had come about because on Hooked on Geek, when we first started the podcast, we did the ten. Right. And then people wanted to know the list. And so right. that's on there on BGG Perfect. if you guys want to hunt it down. Um, but Twilight Struggle, I mean, that was... I had... The first game I got, like the first few games I played in the hobby were Ticket to Ride Catan. Right. And then you sort of fall into the, like, what are these games? And then um, you start digging around on BGG and then you sort of fall down that rabbit hole. And I believe I got Arkham Horror next, which I still love to this day. Just like a lot of nostalgia with like that game. And then immediately got Twilight Struggle. And that sort of just like blew my mind two-player card-driven um just the conflict and the chits and the dice and like u.s versus russia cold war and a lot of the the cards were historical based his based in history obviously true events that happen and just like reading that was really cool mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah the punch counterpunch balance in that game for whatever reason and, uh, you know, one of the things I think that makes it hard for new players is when you get that hand that, mm-hmm. that is terrible. Yeah. And instead of, I'm going to do something, it's how do I get out of this? Exactly. Right? How do you mitigate it from, yeah. Right. And some, and you can tell if somebody's going to like it or not, I think, when they get that hand, mm-hmm. if they say, I hate this game, mm-hmm. <laughs> right, <laughs> that then you know, well, there's no, but they're, they're, you know, then others realize that that's kind of what's happening here. Exactly. I was talking to Ananda Gupta about it, the designer, mm-hmm. one of the designers, and, and he and Jason Matthews, and he said, uh, he said, you know, that's a very Cold War thing, mm-hmm. right? That sometimes if you're the U.S. or the, or, or the Soviets, you got into a series of situations yeah. that you really, did, we're just going to have to Like bad preserve. things will happen or yeah. even worse things will happen. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so now we can choose. I think the first time I played that game, I think I played it three times in one week because we just had to keep playing and right. see how it would come out. Do you play it on uh, iPad or I Steam? I don't. No. Yeah, <laughs> but I heard so. it's really good, like the app. It's good fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people that I can't normally play with, mm-hmm. like Bruce Garrick, uh, w- w- the uh, uh, Wild Weasel mm-hmm. podcast, mm-hmm. Uh, very smart guy, destroys nice. me most of the oh, time. Oh, my goodness. Good fun to play with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're able to trade back and forth. Mo from Mo's Gaming mm-hmm. Table, oh, and Mo's I play cool. back and uh-huh. forth. 
so uh, it's good fun. And then I found you can also match up with people you don't know. Mm-hmm. And so I've matched up with a with a guy that continues to pulverize me and teach me a new lesson every <laughs> game. So uh, it's, as a matter of fact, I I, uh, I will only play him as the Russians because that's the only way I can win. Oh wow! I think there's a slight advantage mm-hmm. to the Russians certainly in the beginning of the game. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's fun. Well, look, it, it's been great to get to know you and play games with you over the last, I don't know, year and a half. Year and a half, yeah. Something like that. We met at the LA Con playing 1846. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. That was cool yeah. and fun. And uh, um, it's been great. And, and I've enjoyed uh, following your blog and following <laughs> uh, your social media presence, mm-hmm. uh, both on Twitter and Instagram. So we probably should talk about that to identify your do you, do you want yes. to throw out your um yeah i'm meeple lady on twitter facebook and instagram and my website is boardgamemeeplelady.com perfect and so thanks for taking the time and well, talking for to me. me appreciate uh appreciate it and and uh look forward to kind of working with you to figure out help me figure out what we can do to increase the diversity now that we have a beachhead with you yeah. <laughs> here at this con we're gonna <laughs> Uh, continue to grow it so yeah, thanks definitely and um you know if you guys are interested in war gamers like other non-war gamers like constant world is great to come to even if you just pop in for a few days it is 110 115 degrees out here so prepare yourself for phoenix summers but everyone's been really cool yeah and excellent air conditioning there you go everyone has air conditioning here That's it's right. like a necessity <laughs> <laughs> thanks yeah thank you So that's a wrap for this podcast. I'll publish some notes and references on my website, conflictsimulations.com. Join the Herald on Games Guild on BoardGameGeek and leave me a comment with your thoughts and ideas. Thanks to the Indianapolis-based band Brother O oh Brother for the intro and outro music. They'll be playing at Gen Con opening night party. Check them out at brotherobrother.com. I'll close with a special thanks to Meeple Lady. And that's it for me. As always, I'm willing to give you a favor cube in exchange for just about anything. And I'll be back soon.